two, one. Welcome in Husker Extra Podcast. I'm Chris. There's Parker. There's Steve. It's 4.08 p.m. here on Friday, February 5th. We are about 26 and a half hours, 25 and a half hours away from Nebraska basketball taking the court again. We're about, uh, oh, what, about 30 hours past Scott Frost meeting with the media. Um, a lot going on in the world here for a February. So we're going to get right into it, and I'll let you guys kind of kind of take the lead on this. Um, Scott Frost, like we said, met with the media yesterday. Uh, today, there was a new Big Ten schedule released for football before the baseball schedule came out, which is a whole other topic, but we won't talk about that. Uh, I'll let you guys kind of take the lead here. I guess what were maybe your biggest takeaways just from what you heard Scott Frost say yesterday? Steven? Go ahead, beat rider. Go ahead, beat rider. Well, you set the agenda on this conversation, but I'll start. Uh, okay, but- here's where I thought – yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I, I think what you were going to say, and I agree with you, among a lot of different interesting things that came up, a couple of which we've covered on the podcast over the past couple of weeks. Um, one of the things that was interesting was just the way in which Frost talked about his confidence in the offense going forward. Obviously, they lacked in production. They've lacked in production the last two years, but more acutely, um, this past fall in 2020, you know, 23 points a game is not going to be enough to win uh, consistently in the Big Ten, especially for a program that, you know, his head coach is an offensive guy. Um, they're an offensive-minded uh, program, even though the defense was better than the offense in 2020. Um, but Frost said, among other things, he thinks they've got more talent in, in their wide receiver room than at any point uh, during his tenure so far. Uh, he's confident. They're not sure, you know, they may have to address the quarterback room on the transfer market, depending on um, how spring ball goes, but that would be more about the players behind Adrian Martinez than it would be about Martinez himself, at least the way Scott Frost sees it. Um, And he just speaks with a lot of confidence about a group uh, and, and has confidence in the future production of a group that hasn't, been gangbusters by any stretch of the imagination over the past two seasons. Yes, guys, there's a lot of skepticism, a lot of skepticism. You you get a lot of people that when Frost says this stuff, really, you get a lot of eye rolls um, or or just people openly mocking him. I mean, it's interesting where this has gone. I guess it's not interesting in that they're 12 and 20 under Frost, but Here's what he said. I felt I found this fascinating what he said about this the receiver room. Far and away the deepest and most talented group we've had. So obviously Frost isn't reeling from the loss of Wandale Robinson. Who had who had how many catches last year, Parker? Yeah, he led the team. Uh, I think he had he had uh, 52 maybe. 51? Like 51, 51, 50, yeah. 51 yeah, on 66 targets. He had he had half he had almost uh, half of, of Nebraska's um, uh, catches and, and a third of the targets or something something like that. It was a huge chunk of Nebraska's production in the past game was Wando Robinson. So what this suggests is a high level of confidence in Samare Ture, number one, right? Yes. And I would say to a certain extent, Omar Manning, I would think. I mean, um, yeah, it's more it, Ture than Manning. It's, it's interesting because he, he delineated in answering the question about the receiver group, he delineated between talent and experience. I mean, they have 
he likes the talent level they have, but he readily admitted that, you know, they don't have a lot in the way of returning experience. And, and, you know, Samari Ture was extremely productive at Montana, 87 catches, 1,000, you know, 1500 yards and, and 13 touchdowns in 2019, but they don't have anybody who has production anywhere near that for their career, let alone in one year um, at the big 10 level. So talent, you know, they were, they, he wasn't all that worried about their talent in 2020 either. The problem was more the lack of experience and then the way that the off season and the pandemic impacted that the ability of those guys to come along. Obviously Marcus Fleming didn't pan out and he transferred in the middle of the season. Xavier Betts is really talented, um, but he had a sort of limited role in his first year on campus. Um, Alante Brown, similar conversation, limited role. Will Nixon was hurt. And so they had talent in the room in 2020, but they, that talent wasn't uh, ready or it was hurt or in Fleming's case, it left. And so that is sort of, I guess, you're sort of resetting the deck in that conversation. Uh, Robinson's out to raise in. Those guys, uh, Betts, Alante Brown, and Will Nixon have some experience. And in Will Nixon's case, he's getting healthy. Uh, and then you factor in the guys that were, um, you know, had had some production, played quite a bit in Oliver Martin and Levi Falk. And that's the basis for what could be a, a productive, talented room. And you say could be just because you just haven't seen it on the field from some of those guys. doesn't mean they're not capable. Baz, here's why it's interesting to me. Okay, and Parker. Okay, so we went through the wide receivers. He also said of the running backs room, that room looks like the best it's been since I've been here. Now, why is this interesting? It's interesting for a lot of reasons, but one of them is, in effect, what Frost did yesterday was put pressure on himself. Which is fine. Yeah. That's what he should do. That's what he should do, right? Yep. But what he did was if they would falter again on offense, he can't go back and say, we just don't have the talent. Because we can yep. say, wait a, wait a minute, on February 4th, you said you had far and away the deepest and most talented receiver group you've had. And that the running back room was in great shape. So he's on record. And then the other thing that's interesting about it to me is I think he put some Good, good kind of pressure, not bad pressure on his position coaches. You have all you need. Get yep. it done. Make it happen. Yep. Yeah. You have all you need. We have all we need on this side. No excuses. Um, so, and then also I think what he's doing is I don't know about you guys. I pay attention to the narrative and it's, it's negative right now. And there was a lot of negative narrative about Wandale leaving. I wrote a, you know, the headline was, it's a punch in the gut to the program. Well, Frost doesn't think probably so much about the impact that loss has on the public. He thinks about what it has on his team's mentality, probably its psyche. And this is Frost saying, guys, we're fine. We're, you know, we're, we'll be fine without Wandale, which is, I think that's what he needs to do. I think, I think he has to be thinking about his guys when he's saying that stuff. Well, yeah, you can't go the other way and say, geez, we're screwed without Wandale. You know, what does that do for, for guys' psyche, for your player's psyche? You, you, as the head coach, you, you kind of have to say those things. You have to say, yeah, we have the most talent we've ever had because you want to build those guys up because you need those guys to be built up. 
right? right. You need them to you need them to have confidence, whether whether it's the most talent they've had at that position or not. You need them to think they have that talent, and and then you can try and catch the physical up to the mental side of it. So, no, you're you're exactly right, Sip. It's he he took the approach he needed to take, and now it's up to him. It's up to his position coaches to to make that work. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. I mean, you can you can. I think one of the things that in a lot of walks of life, not just college football, one of the things that will be obvious, but also hard to put your finger on over the next several years is in what ways did the, you know, pandemic directly affect life to, you know, affect production, affect, um, you know, futures, affect just the arc of a lot of different things. And, 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 on the list of importance, the development of college football players is not very high on the list, but it, but it is among the things that's going to be really hard to tell. Like what would Xavier Betts's freshman season have looked like if the off season would have been normal? What would have Alante Brown's freshman season look like if it would have been normal? The answer to that question could potentially be exactly the same. I don't think it would have been exactly the same, but I don't know that if they would have had a full spring ball of Xavier Betts would have caught 60 balls or something like that. And I, I wouldn't make that claim, but if the next, you know, six months go something like a normal college football off season, there's another reason why it's on the line for these guys. You know, I mean that those guys now Xavier Betts and Alante Brown, even with a weird first year, like they had, they've got a lot more experience under their belts, obviously now than they did a year ago. And the same goes um, for a bunch of those guys. You know, Levi Falk's been here for a year. Oliver Martin's been here for several months now. Um, You know, they're on down the list it goes. And so it's kind of, um, it's kind of that, it feels like that moment where, you know, we're going to see if that confidence in the offensive, um, you know, personnel uh, is well-placed, but I think you I mean, I don't know. I think if you look up and down the roster on offense, I don't think it's going too far out of line to make the argument that Scott's making. The bottom line is it's going to have to translate on the field into being a, a scary offense. Yep. Um, yes. I mean, it's, they lost, I mean, it's really the whole thing, the whole picture is sort of interesting. Um, no, the other thing that was interesting yesterday, I thought was, I mean, he made it very clear that they will not make a move at quarterback until after spring. It, talking about going into the portal, um, which they could – Parker, you said you couldn't really do anyway right now, right? Right, yeah, and I thought the thing that was most interesting that Frost said was that they thought about it, you know, that they knew when, when McCaffrey went in the portal, um, they knew in enough time where if they would have rushed, they probably could have – found a quarterback. I mean, assuming they could have found one that, that would have committed, they maybe could have had a guy on campus for this semester and then, you know, spring ball and all of that. At this point, you're beyond, I mean, if a guy committed, it doesn't matter if he's a quarterback or a linebacker or whatever, it's too far into the semester now. I mean, the semester has been going on for two full weeks. You couldn't get a guy here, get him enrolled and have him be eligible this semester, um, you know, to go through spring ball and all that anyway. So at this point, They've got two scholarships left to use. They're just going to take their time. They're going to see what the quarterback room. And I think in particular, Logan Smothers, uh, Heinrich Harburg, um, and then Matt Masker and Braden Miller, the two walk-ons, what those guys look like. Those four, they know 
what they have in Adrian Martinez. And I think Scott Frost has very, made it very clear where he thinks Adrian Martinez can still go in his career. And they're betting big on that. Um, and then behind him, like, is are those four players behind him, two freshmen and two walk-ons, is that enough? Is that enough to make it through a full college football season and then set you up for the future coming out of the 2021 season? Or do they feel like they have to, you know, go get a guy in the portal to sort of fortify the depth in that room? That's in large part, I mean, that's one of the major questions, one of the most uh, important questions that Scott Frost and, and Mario Verduzco and Matt Lubick have to answer over the course of spring ball this spring. Yeah, it's, it's kind of common sense, right? Like why rush and just go grab a guy out of the portal just to get him? When, when like you said, you can wait and see how spring ball goes. You can wait and see who pops up in the portal in, in May or whatever, and then go get somebody. There was There's no need to rush this, especially when you know what you have in your top guy. Like you know what you have in Adrian Martinez. And clearly, like you said, Parker, Scott Frost believes in Adrian and expects him to, to take another step forward. So if you truly believe that, why would you be in a hurry? You know, take your time, see what you got, then go get it or go get somebody else. If you end up needing something, somebody else in a different position, you know, don't, don't fill up that spot too early and then leave yourself hamstrung in the spring. So yeah, from a, from a common sense standpoint, it, that's just, that's kind of where I'm at with it. There's no reason to do it now and you can do it, you know, in a few months and, and have a similar or better result. It's super interesting and simple. We talked a little bit about this yesterday. Frost had no interest in sort of sizing up the position that that kind of player, a transfer quarterback, would be walking into. Um, he just said it's that's hypothetical, and we don't even know if we're going to do it. So I'm, I haven't thought about that at all. But it is a very – it is – the picture is a very interesting one, though, because you have a guy who started 27 games. I mean, Adrian Martinez is ostensibly a three-year starter. He got benched for two games – uh, this fall, but he's basically a three-year starter. So you have to walk the line. If you're going to, if they decide they need a quarterback, you have to find a guy who understands that he's joining a program in May or June and what the odds are of beating out a 27 game starter by being on campus for two months. And you also don't want to just add a warm body to the room who you know isn't a threat to really do anything. Oh, my God, thank you for saying that. Why would you use a scholarship on that kind of player? So Thanks for saying that. Yeah, it's a very interesting – I mean, if they – first of all, that leads you to believe that even though they have three scholarship players, there would be a real chance that that needle is too fine a one to thread, you know, that you're better off rolling with what you've got and using the scholarship in a way that will pay off more than that, than, than using it on a quarterback who you're not expecting to play a lot. But if they decide they need to find one, that's a really, you're talking about a pretty fine line of finding that guy who's willing to come to Nebraska in the summer late with an entrenched quarterback. And also who can like legitimately be an option for you if you need someone. Uh, Yeah. There's a world and you guys understand this about me. There's a world out there. I don't, totally understand. And there's a lot about the world I don't get. Like this conversation, I'll never quite, like, I know there's a portion of, I I talk to people who say they got to find a guy, but not a guy that's not too good. No. No. (laughs) Go get a guy that can beat out Adrian. I mean, yeah, that's the whole point. Right. Right. Like, yeah, just 
whoever it is that I'd be looking for a guy that can beat out my starter. That's what I'd be looking for. Then that seems like, that seems like that would be the only time that you'd want to add a transfer quarterback would be if, if there's a guy who under ideal circumstances, you would never pursue a scholarship quarterback unless you thought he was going to win games for you as a starter. Right. Not, well, we got to get a guy, but he can't be too good because you don't want him to threaten Adrian. Oh, okay. Yeah. God, what a, yeah. So no, yeah. Go, if they're going to do it, do it. Just go do it. Get a, get a dude. And go big or go home. Yeah. Yeah. If you can't now, run guess, with the big dogs, stay on the porch. Yeah. That's exactly right. Don't, don't make it too complicated. Sorry. Don't sorry. be sorry. Hey, okay. hey, hey, hey. There's hey, no speaking of common it. sense, speaking of common sense, you know where we're not going on August 28th? Ireland. <laughs> Ireland. <laughs> Much to my chagrin, we're not going to Ireland. Why? Would Baz, would you have liked to go over there? I think it would have been. So, I mean, I wasn't going to go either way, let's be honest. But it, like, oh, I don't know. Was, I don't know about that. I think the Journal Star would have sent you just to play the golf courses and report back. Yeah, yeah. If there's one thing the Journal Star would have done, it would have been to pay a third guy to go over there and jack around for three days and then kind of sort of help out with the game maybe at the end of it. <laughs> well, Look, I played four game. golf courses and I wrote a scene yeah. column from a Viva Stadium. What more do you want? From me? Yeah, like what do you people want from me? Stop working me to the bone, please. Yes, would be so nice. I- I didn't leave what the cliffs until a half yeah. hour before kickoff. I wrote it from the clubhouse. The of, I wrote it from the clubhouse at Lonich, but I mean, it's in and it's fine. I don't see what the issue is. <laughs> that would be so beautiful. I think we need to think like that more, actually. Like that would be a great, great column. That'd be a great scene column. Baz, no, Baz didn't go to the game. Baz wrote, wrote the column from Churchill Downs. Should, should we, should we, yeah, I was going to say, should we open, should we tell the Husker Extra podcast viewers about our harebrained road trip? Let's lift up, let's lift the curtain Ideas. a little bit. This let's is a, yeah, lift it up, guys. Lift Here it up. A scheme, this is a scheme we've had for a while where we cover a Nebraska football game from a place that is definitely not where the Nebraska football game is taking place. Like the From anywhere game. besides where it's being yeah. played. Like Nebraska at Illinois, we're covering from like a lobster boat in Maine. Or something like that. <laughs> all of us, like, like we're we're all there. Yeah, like everybody, like everybody's on the boat. Or like Northwestern in Lincoln, and we're at we're at like the Aria Sportsbook in Las Vegas to cover the game. We're in the See, press box. We're at the press box at Daytona International Speedway to watch Ohio State run roughshod over the. Blank. Didn't the pandemic sort of point up that you could do it? Almost, yeah, they could didn't do it. They yeah, could sort of enhance the notion that you could do it. And also, yeah. it'd be awesome if you were at another place while something was happening there. Like, yeah, I'm yeah. I'm I'm covering uh, Nebraska at Penn State from an early season Bulls game at the United Center. Yeah, like live <laughs> tweeting the football. We're live here at Miller Park as the Brewers take on the Cardinals in the NL Wild Card game. And oh, by the way, Nebraska's playing Kansas in a non-conference tilt. Now, somebody's hopefully listening, thinking this is a genius idea. Yeah. It's definitely going to get stolen and people are going to get rich off of it. And we're yeah. not going to. If you'd like to spend an exorbitant amount of money to sponsor this idea, just please yes. let the sales staff at the journal store. Yeah. Now, you can just, on, you, Parker. You can cut a check to me personally. Yeah. You know, right. So. We'll take care of it. If, yeah. yeah. Parker, don't use the word exorbitant. It's all relative. And, well, yeah, and I mean, the value that the sponsor would be getting is what would be exorbitant. 
Yeah. It's such a good idea that it might, it, I think it's something that should be seriously considered. So are you telling me that we should go to Ireland, even if they're playing the game in Champagne? That, <laughs> no, that would, be, that would be a great way to kick it off. God, that would right? be beautiful. We you are going to the state. You could go to the stadium in Dublin to cover the game. Yeah. And I'll go to Champagne and eat that, eat that custard in the press box for four hours. No, no, you're going to be with us. It wouldn't work if you were at the game. I mean, you need to know it needs to be all of us at some other venue. All right. All right. Or boat as it were a lobster or boat. Somewhere in the Aleutian islands here in, here in Alaska covering Nebraska in the big 10 championship game. (laughs) Watching whales breach on the inner passage of Alaska. Wow. <laughs> the scenery is beautiful in Nebraska trails Penn State 17 to 7 midway through the second <laughs> championship. Yeah, there's been no official word on the status of that game, but I mean the writing's pretty much on the wall, isn't it? Something? Yeah. I just think of the I just I think it's a very interesting visual, the notion that we run a headline that says all systems go for Nebraska to Ireland. Like really, that'd be yeah, yeah. <laughs> all yeah. systems go, huh? Is that so? Huh? Yeah. But so, so, I don't think that's pandemic, so, huh? So so to push the conversation forward just a little bit, we can revisit. Please, I'll give it a good shove. Yeah, it needs uh, more than a push. <laughs> so the the that game has not officially been canceled yet. Bill Moose, Nebraska's athletic director, told me this morning that they'll probably make a determination on it sometime in the next couple of weeks. I think that makes sense for a couple of reasons. One, because that's basically what he said all along. And two, the, the tickets were supposed to go on sale um, to the public, I think on Jan- uh, February 13th, like next Saturday or Sunday, somewhere in there, right around mid-February. So well, I think one of two things is going to happen. Either one, um, they'll make the determination before that happens, before opening up tickets for single game sale. The other thing I guess that could happen would be you see how the public responds to demand for the game, but that just, I, I tend to think that sometime in the next 10 days, uh, we'll know more about that. But the big 10 today at noon, um, didn't announce a baseball schedule, which baseball starts, you know, anytime now we're not really yeah, sure. Two, two weeks from today, actually. Two weeks from today, but they did announce a revamped 2021 conference football schedule. And there was a bunch of reasons why they needed to do that at some point. Nebraska was actually involved in a couple of them in the rendition of the schedule that lasted for six days in August, the 10 game super flexible schedule that instead of using its flexibility, they just canceled or postponed uh, after a few days, they moved the locations of a few games around. And so in rectifying that, they basically just revamped the entire league schedule for 2021, announced it today at noon. Nebraska has six games out of nine in the conference that are either on a different date or in a different location uh, than where we started today. So um, everybody's playing the same nine teams. Nebraska's crossovers for this fall are still Ohio State, Michigan, and Michigan State. Um, but like I say, a good chunk of the schedule uh, was revamped. Included in that is uh, that, that Iowa and Nebraska are going to play on Black Friday, which was not originally the, the plan. So the in harebrained Lincoln. idea in Lincoln. in Lincoln, yeah. So the harebrained idea that was hatched in 2017 to rotate the final week opponent and have 
uh, Wisconsin play Iowa and Nebraska play Minnesota will not actually happen. We got away from that in, in 2020 because of the pandemic and the shortened season. And now we're going to get Nebraska and Iowa on Black Friday in 2021. And then it goes back to that in 2022 and beyond. So uh, that will live on. It'll be 11 straight years um, this fall. And then it's, it's on the books for several years out. After. <clears throat> we got we got one good thing out of the pandemic, and it was getting getting that part of the schedule fixed. So thank God for that. Uh, there's That's a few the other things. There's a few other things. Um, as far as the schedule goes, the cool parts of the schedule, of course, are going to Oklahoma on September 18th. Yes, also you. cool, in my opinion, is Michigan and Ohio State coming to Lincoln in the same year. No, no matter yeah. no matter that Michigan was was down this year, and I don't know what they'll be like next year. I don't know. I haven't scouted them, but I I mean I just think it's I'm a big fan of those brands coming through Lincoln, along with Iowa coming in here too. That's a, I think that's a cool part of the schedule. Yeah, it's a good so so. Assuming, I think what's going to happen is if 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 Ireland doesn't happen or, or when that doesn't happen, that game's most likely to be in Champaign because Illinois was gave up the home game um, to make that game work in in Dublin. So Nebraska's seven home games. If you're thinking about you know fans being back in stadiums and, and who do you get to see in Lincoln, Nebraska's seven home games: uh, Buffalo, Lance Leipold led Buffalo. Northwestern, Michigan, Purdue, Ohio State, Southeast Louisiana, and, and Iowa. That's a pretty that's a pretty good, pretty darn good. Uh, home slate. You like that, Bass? I do like that. Especially Southeastern really, Louisiana. You really like the Southeast Louisiana matchup. Really well, like here's that. there's one other thing. There's various forms of torture in this world, right? There's Abu Ghraib. Um, there's 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 just there's a lot of instances of torture. Sure. One, you know where I'm going with this. Three straight years of going to Purdue feel, felt a little bit unwieldy. That's that's a lot. That's a lot. We've made that's, that drive two years in a row. Think yeah. about that, Parker. As Sipple and I flew this year, and it was still oh, that's right. We, yeah, we, we God, flew, that's and right. it was still miserable. Well, we flew to we, Chicago, right? Yeah. But the, other option, but the other option is connecting in Chicago. Then you got to, then you're camped out at O'Hare on a layover with another flight down to Indianapolis. And then from Indianapolis, it's still more than an hour to get from the airport yeah, to Indianapolis. It's brutal. Bass, I found, now this is not productive. I'll have to find another place after this. But if I was going to hide, if I was going to go into witness protection. You're giving you know away the I'm goose here, Sipple. Yeah, Hobart, Indiana. Hobart, Hobart, Indiana. Yeah, right outside of Chicago. You could get lost there pretty easy. I'd stay in that in that place where we stayed that hotel coming back from West Lafayette two years ago. Remember that? I don't even know what that town was. Oh yeah, somewhere like, in like. Then we drove like three hours back to the hotel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, somewhere in. And I got up the next morning and drove like nine more hours back to Lincoln. <laughs> you were in a great mood. I was in a great mood. You were. We we uh, I got car sick going out because I had to rent my basketball preview in the car going out. We were in like start and stop traffic outside of Chicago, and I thought I was going to puke my brains out. Simple. <laughs> what was the name of that hotel in Hobart, Indiana, that we saw? Oh God, don't the, I, I was the Key Key West Inn or something like that? Yeah. Oh the, yeah, sounds fine. Yeah. Baz, Baz, right on the interstate, the Key West Inn. Yeah, like Hobart, somebody Indiana. has a great sense of humor. I mean, there's that's a great sense of humor. That is pretty funny. 
I'm sure Hobart. nothing. I'm sure nothing shady, shady's happened at the Key West Inn in Hobart, Indiana. I'm sure it'd be uh, fine. Yes, it's supposed to be shady. I mean, that's the yeah. thing. It it blocks out the sun. It's so shady. Hobart. Hobart. There's nothing right. wrong with Hobart. I'm sure Not, the people there are great. Yeah, it's just a, it seems like a good place where to get lost. Speaking of schedule talk and speaking of getting lost. <laughs> Yes, Nebraska basketball has, has returned from the abyss, has returned from wandering in the COVID wilderness. Uh, the plane has landed in East Lansing, Michigan. How do we know yeah. that, by the way? Flight aware. <laughs> you guys got to teach me flight aware. It's That's always great. flight aware season. Yeah. Um, yeah, they landed a little while ago. Uh, as okay. far as we know, game is on for 5.30 p.m. tip tomorrow night. Nebraska okay. at Michigan State. First game since January 10th, so not quite a full month, but pretty darn close. And it's, boy, it's it's going to be a bear for Nebraska. They'll they'll play Michigan State, and then they'll fly straight to Minneapolis uh, to play Minnesota Monday night. And they'll fly home late Monday night, get ready to play uh, Wisconsin Thursday, then turn around and fly out to State College, Pennsylvania to play Penn State late next week. So the grind is here. It's begun. And now it's it's kind of to the point where – Nebraska's got to make all these games up, but can they do it? Can the teams that are playing stay clean and stay healthy and allow Nebraska to play these games? We know Michigan State will be fine. Michigan State already went through its own COVID pots, and that's what kind of makes this game Saturday interesting. Fred Hoiberg said today, you know, he talked to Tom Izzo just about how Izzo personally kind of handled having COVID, how he got back to coaching. Uh, I said he talked to his son Jack, who's, of course, a guard uh, for the Spartans, just about what, what it's going to feel like for the players and that sort of thing. And, and Fred's keeping expectations low and, and, and rightfully so those first couple of games are probably going to be pretty ugly. And, and I mean, it just, it is what it is, you know, Michigan state lost by 30 in their first game back and scored 37 points at, at Rutgers. So it's going to take some time for Nebraska to get their legs back, you know, and talking to, to RJ Pedic uh, yesterday, Nebraska's trainer, he really just kind of broke down in detail all the stuff Nebraska had to do just to get back to where they could practice, you know, and then it's all these heart tests and blood tests. And then you get on the bike and then the elliptical and then you dribble and shoot. And then maybe you run up and down the court a few times. So these guys aren't in game shape. You know, they were playing better, I think, before they went on the pause, which seems like it was two years ago now. But it's it's going to be it's going to be tough and it's going to be a lot coming at them in a short amount of time. So these guys are basically going to you know, have to play their way into shape over the next few weeks. That's really, there's, yeah. So I don't, I, I wouldn't expect this first game to look very good at all. No, no. I, we, now, we, go ahead. Go ahead, sir. No, go well, ahead. the thing they're going to, and think about it now, you got to think about it from a pure basketball standpoint too. As you know, and Parker knows he covers that. He covered basketball. He knows it really well. What's Michigan state do? They get to ball on made shots they get the ball out of the rim and they're, they're, they're at right. half court before you know what's going on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that they're, they're not even pushing. You wouldn't even say they're pushing the ball with a dribble. They're pushing the ball with a pass up court. Yeah. You got to get back yeah. on deep. So what I'm talking about is transition defense with tired legs. And that's basically what Fred said today. So we got to rebound. We got to get back and stop transition. We got to take care yeah. of the ball. I commit turnovers and which three things are probably going to give them the biggest trouble. It's probably going to be those three things uh, coming back and, he was asked today, he said, are, are you going to slow down what you do offensively? Are you going to slow your own pace down? He said, no. He said, we're going to look to attack. We're still going to look to push with pace. And we're going to try and do it that way if we can. So, 
look, I'm, Michigan State needs a win, and they're going to try and run Nebraska into the ground early and, and try and put that thing to bed by half. It's what you do. What's Which is what you do, yeah. But at, at the same time, Nebraska's not going to change the way in it in which it plays either. It doesn't sound like. Now we'll see what happens when the game gets going tomorrow, what it looks like. But it's just going to take some time. And you start off with two tough road games. Then you get the meat grinder of Wisconsin at home. And then you got to go all the way out to the to Pennsylvania to play. So these first four games are are really going to be a tough way to start and really going to be a tough way for Nebraska to kind of get back into it when it's, when it's going to take them. Not that you could really ease into anything in the Big Ten, but it's it's a tough stretch for Nebraska right out of the gate. That's for sure. Let's be real. Let's just be really real. If they come within, and, and I will not be critical under any circumstances, especially after, after one game back, if they come within 15 points, it'll be a victory. That'd be a massive victory. I would think, yeah. I was I think it 20. would be. Yeah. yeah. And, and they might because Izzo and Hoiberg are friends and Izzo very acutely understands what Nebraska is going through right now. So he's not going to go out there and say, we're going to try and beat these guys by 50. Or whatever it is. You know, I'm not, not saying that time is, Oh, we'll take it easy on Nebraska. He's trying no. to win the game, but he also understands what Nebraska's going through and what they're going to feel like and, and what Fred's going to feel like, you know, Fred's talking about being really fatigued as he's come back to this. So yeah, it's, if Nebraska keeps it within 15 points that you call that a win, if you're the Huskers and then you just go get ready for the next one. Baz, you wrote a great story about Fred. I mean, I mean, that was illuminating that, I mean, Fred's bout with COVID was rough. Scary. Yeah. And he called it scary. Yeah. Wait, imagine, imagine being Fred and having had two open heart surgeries and you've got a pacemaker and you wake up with chest pains in the middle of the night Ooh. and you've got a splitting headache and you've got body aches and all this other stuff. And, and your mind's probably going to some pretty dark places, you know, how could it not? And just, especially with the way this the last 10, 11 months have gone for him you know how could you not go to a dark place and fortunately he was able to recover and all his heart tests came back normal which is good but man alive I can't imagine waking up at two or three in the morning oh. and having chest pains and not and feeling sick you know that what was what he went through emotionally forget the physical part of just what he went through emotionally and mentally yeah. that's that's scary and he was very frank when he talked about that he said I got scared and I didn't know what was going on so oh, man. yeah it's it's, it's a scary deal and it's the real deal. And Fred said that, and he started to feel better, but he talked about just the fatigue out. He said, he's wiped out in the middle of the day, you know, and you're talking about the head coach of the basketball program. And so it's, it's tough on the players. Certainly it's tough on everybody. It's, it's tough on everybody outside of basketball, but it is, you, you get a, you get a little window into what a guy like Fred, who's a, who's in a high risk category has, has gone through and knowing that he was in a high risk category and feeling like he did. So it's, it just shows you kind of the challenge of it away from all the basketball stuff that, that all these guys have to deal with. And then, and then on top of that, you know, that I thought it was illuminating what, what Hoiberg said today about they're not even going to bring uh, Doc Sadler and, and Bobby Lutz on the road. I mean, if you want to talk about, you know, that gives you an idea of, of how seriously they take it. Right. I mean, it's not, yeah. They're not, he's not just saying that. Obviously, he had a he had a scary, you know, bout with it himself. But now they're that's two guys who who they lean on over the course of the game for a lot of information. Doc coordinates the defense. Bobby Lute's been around basketball his whole life, uh, and they're just they're going to leave him in Lincoln uh, when they go on the road. Yeah, yeah Doc. And, go ahead, Bess. 
I was just going to say, you know, Doc's 60, uh, Bobby's 62. So they're, they're in that range where if they got it, it could be a potentially a pretty bad deal. And, and look, Fred's only 48, you know, Fred's not that old and look how it affected him. Now, now take a guy like Doc or a guy like Bobby and, and you can only, I mean, that's, it's very, the threat's real and it's scary. So yet you understand why they're doing it, but it's just kind of another thing Nebraska's going to have to deal with another hurdle they're going to have to get over. Yeah. Doc says he's going to text one of the GAs during the game. Yeah. yeah they're, they're, and that's what Fred said. They'll be able to, those guys will be able to kind of share their thoughts and then in timeouts, the GA or whoever can come up to Fred and say, Hey, here, here's what Doc's seeing or here's what Bobby saw in the last possession. So they'll still be involved. They just won't be on the bench with those guys on the road. Interesting times, really. I mean, it's fascinating what, what Nebraska basketball is about to undertake. It is. It, um, it is. And it'll be an NBA schedule with a guy who was in the NBA for a lot of his life. So if, you know, if, if there was any, if there was ever a coach that's maybe equipped for something like this, it is Fred because he, he lived it as a player. He lived it as a coach. He lived it as a, as a front office guy with the Timberwolves. So he understands how you have to prepare and how you do prepare to kind of keep your guys fresh in that situation. So does that give Nebraska an advantage? We'll see. It probably won't matter these first few games just because they got to get their legs under them. But at least you've got a guy that that understands how to how to kind of handle those situations because he's been there. One thing that'll potentially startle Nebraska hoops fans if they watch that game tomorrow, if you haven't paid real close attention to the Big Ten, Michigan State, like you said, they came off their own pause, but they've lost four in a row. They're two and seven in the Big Ten. Michigan State's Tom Izzo led Michigan State Spartans two and seven in the Big Ten. It's just a weird, weird year all around. That is weird. Yeah, they're. I, I mean, they didn't. They weren't particularly impressive. I didn't think in Lincoln when they played Nebraska. No, no they won the game, but that's not a. I mean, they just they really miss Cassius Winston. If you think back, Baz, they they don't really have a point guard. That, that's no. that's one of the things they battle. Losing cash has hurt them. They don't. They didn't. They've struggled at that position. They don't really have a big. Um, so yeah, they they look really ordinary. To they were they were two and four. They were two and four in the league when they went on pause. It's not like they were they weren't lighting the world on fire even before that. And then they've lost three in a row since they came back. Yeah, this is this is not a great Michigan State team. I mean, it, it's Tom Izzo and it is what it is. But. It, it, Nebraska's beaten better Michigan State teams in East Lansing. That's yeah. For sure. And I'm not saying they're going to do that tomorrow or anything. I don't think anybody expects them to. But if you were going to have a road game, uh, you could ha- you could have worse ones than playing oh, a Michigan State team that's, yeah. that's struggling a little bit right now. That's for sure. Yeah, you could go to Ohio State again. We saw that. Nice. Man alive. That game they're last really, night with really Iowa. Good. Oh, that game last night with Iowa was unbelievable. I, you know, I tweeted out some of the stats from, I think there was 12 combined turnovers in the whole game between the two wow. teams, 28 combined three pointers, you know, and Iowa didn't play a lick of defense because that's, they don't, they don't do that. But um, yeah, it was fun basketball. Ohio state's really good. And I saw some projections today where big 10 has got two number one seats in the NCAA tournament, Michigan and Ohio state. So really, really that's a, yeah. Uh, oh, state's a one. Well, they're 15 and four right now. I mean, they're good. They got one of the best. If you look at the metrics and all that stuff, they've got one of the best offenses in the country, one of the most efficient offenses in the country. I mean, they're they're legit. So, just I mean, just another really good team. You you got to work. I mean, look at what Ohio State did to Nebraska, beat them ninety to fifty four. You know, a few weeks ago. 
Um, so well, they, and Michigan tough. comes out. Michigan is eight and one, but when they come off their long pause, their first games scheduled out of the pause from February 11th to February 21st, 10 days, they play Illinois at Wisconsin Rutgers at Ohio state. That's how they cut. That's how they come off a multi-week pause. Yeah. 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 You think it's tough for Nebraska? Look at that one. Yeah. It's, it's a grinder. I mean, it, it is, we say it all the time, but that's what it is. And now it's, it's just going to be real, I think really interesting to see how Nebraska handles this and, do they kind of use it as a, as an opportunity to kind of reset, you know, we're zero and zero. Let's go, let's just go see what we can do, play, play balls to the wall and find out what we got and, and we'll go from there. So interesting times ahead over these, over this next six weeks or so. Yes. What else guys? Anything else? Volleyball back in action tonight after having a yeah. weekend off. Maryland. 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 Baseball still waiting on a schedule. Um, Probably looking at a 44 game conference schedule, four game weekends, 11 of them. Um, kind of a, I, it's probably gonna be a similar situation to basketball where the schedule came out a week before the season started. I, I would expect the same thing for baseball, which is too bad. Um, because, you know, like, like I mentioned earlier, the season starts February 19th. Teams are gonna start playing February 19th. They're gonna be playing non conference games. And Nebraska's, of course, doing conference only like the rest of the big 10 and this is a discussion for another day but it's it's really gonna hurt the big 10 from an rpi standpoint from a from an ncaa tournament bid standpoint just because they're beating up on each other so but we can talk about that yeah well the one thing that the pandemic has created well there's a lot of bad things but i know you're really gonna miss the midweek games yeah yeah at the at Haymarket. That, that those those Wednesday games against Creighton where Ed Service throws 15 pitchers in a nine inning game. I'm really gonna miss those. Or like a 17 to nine game against yeah. Wichita State or something. They they go down to Kansas on a Tuesday for an eight o'clock start and win 15 to 12. Really gonna miss that. <laughs> we got Northern Super Bowl. Colorado coming to town. I yeah, will right. miss Northern Colorado. Northern Colorado. That's like the yeah. That's like the sign of spring around here is Nebraska playing Northern Colorado in baseball. And it's like 40 degrees at Haymarket Park. I actually <laughs> will kind of miss that a little bit. So. Yeah, I'm sure. It's like, ground, sure. it's like, that's like Punxsutawney Phil. Yeah, exactly. Northern Colorado's exactly. here is only a few more weeks of winter. Spring's right around the corner. This here is we go. Parker. He's only lived here for four years. I Parker, know. I've lived here my whole life. Trust me. I understand what you're saying. Well, I'm talking <laughs> to the people. I'm not talking to you. Wow. 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 That, that was aggressive. There it is. That was aggressive. That was aggressive. On that note, let's wrap this baby up. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll talk to you next week.